What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace, this is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And like we said, we're doing a whole bunch of tributes. So this is the next one we got in the series. Released September 29th, 1998. The third LP from Outcast, Equimini. It's Equimini, Equimini. That's right. So we got this tribute. And this is obviously an album that both Yink and I are very fond of. Outcast is one of our favorite groups. And this is one of our favorite albums from that group. So let's just start it off. Yinka. Where were you when this was released? Southern California. This was my freshman year of high school. I remember the Outkast song, Rosa Parks, came out. Mm -hmm. And so there was a controversy surrounding that. Um, I think at some point in time, there there was actually a lawsuit that came from the family. When did that Um, controversy happen, though? Because I feel like I didn't hear about that controversy until old like at least a few years after it was released at least that, that was my I impression. feel like there were two things that I remember hearing about with this when this came out one Erica Badu was in the video Andre was dressing strangely and everybody <laughs> yes. was attributing that to Erica Badu yes. uh, and the second being that they their single was Rosa Parks and there was controversy around it even before actually the lawsuit happened there was controversy from people being like this is disrespectful that they would make a song that says move to the back of the bus and it's it's about Rosa Parks. I, I guess. Man. Those are the things that I remember about that. Um, Do you think it, it was disrespectful? No. I'm not, I mean, but it's I, so I, weird. Maybe it's just a generational thing. Well, um, you know what doesn't surprise me? And maybe I will get some flack for this, but the whole Rosa Parks story is kind of muddled anyway from the one that we were taught when we were kids hmm. it's very romanticized the one that we were taught when we were kids right Supposedly. she sat in the, in the front of the bus she refused to get up and then that's what kicked off the whole bus boycott when in fact she wasn't in the front of the bus she was like in the middle section like right. before the back of the bus yeah and she refused to to stand up to give her seat to a white man but even then she wasn't even the first person to do this. I forget the other woman's name, but there was the young woman. She was a single mother, had like a four-year-old daughter. She was like 17 or something like that. I didn't and hear that, but I did hear that a lot of it had to do with her place in the community. Yeah. And, and that was what kind of made it so significant when she did that. Well, because that was the thing. So initially, this other woman who would probably be not in that like elitist class, if mm-hmm. you will, she was the one who did this, but then they didn't think that she had the background the demeanor to really be that figurehead to kick off the movement so mm. that they orchestrated it so that Rosa Parks would do it that was a story that I later oh, wow. learned I didn't, about. Hear, I didn't hear that it was orchestrated I mean look it, it depends on who you ask right like some people are going to be like oh outlaw speaking shit out of his <laughs> mouth right and the other people are going to be like yeah that's kind of the story yeah. so but either way the reason why I bring that up is because mm. when you learn about that later there's kind of like an elitist attitude mm. mindset, right? And there have mm. been some criticisms from like the black intelligentsia about like the civil rights movement, about yeah. how there was kind of like a little bougie and a little elitist. Mm-hmm. And so for them to kind of then get stuck up about the name of this song kind yeah. of like echoes that to me. I mean, because, you know, we're we're only a couple years removed from uh, C. Dolores Tucker and all these situations where there was kind of this war on the older black generation, I guess what you would call the the folks that like talk about the civil rights movement mm-hmm. in, in terms of in the not so distant past of their their lifetime. And then, you know, hip hop and hip hop right. was like, oh, these people are, are really disrespectful. <laughs> they need to pull their pants up. They need to not talk about women as bitches and hoes, etc. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that turmoil was kind of our, still there. It probably is. And yeah. this is just like a, yet another one where that's like, they're yeah. so disrespectful <laughs> that they would make a song called Rosa Parks that has nothing to do with civil rights. Well, as disrespectful um, as if it was, <laughs> that shit was hot. I mean, uh, I'm sure yeah, you thought yeah. it was hot. So, yeah, I mean, I loved this joint. Like I said, I... AT Aliens is is a, a, an album that's very near and dear to my heart, right. but I didn't really connect with that album until after I connected with this album. So okay. this was the first Outcast album that I really sat with. It came out. Rosa Parks was huge. Rosa Parks was um, huge. The controversy, or not controversy, but the whole story around Andre's mother's pastor playing the harmonica in the music video. Oh, uh, so that was, was a personal connection. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. like just some like regular musician, right? Yeah. Oh. So it was like Andre's oh, cool. Andre's mom's pastor was a harmonica player that they went out and sourced to play in this in, on this song. Okay, and he's actually in the music video. He gets his, oh, his whole he? solo. It's been a while since I've seen it, but uh-huh. I think I might 
be remembering the scene that you're referring to. Yeah, it kind of yeah. cuts to him. You know, it's the, it's like that kind of like hoedown period of yeah, the, of the, yeah, of the yeah, song of course, where it's course, like they're jamming yeah. out and yeah. then you just see this dude and he's killing it on the mm-hmm. harmonica. That's, uh, you know, his, his mom's pastor. So I remember that being kind of a cool little tidbit that everybody passed around, you know. But being on the West Coast, I feel like, you know, it, it still kind of was either gangster rap or boom bap and mm-hmm. there was very little in between we had scarface we had like a couple of people that we really cared for but those were kind of the pole north and south pole okay. of hip-hop and you know this album came and it just shot straight up the middle and everybody loved it i remember going out and buying it very shortly after it came out so that's where i was where were you i was just entering my sophomore year in high school And like I said, in the Jay-Z episode, I was very much entrenched into the Wu-Tang camp. And my friends used to make fun of me for that, but that's okay because in their minds, like Wu-Tang was on the way out. And to some extent, they had some legitimacy to their claims. Now, some Mm. of the other bullshit that they were listening to, I could laugh at as well. But one of the things- I'm sorry to interrupt. Your friends were really felt as though in 98 that Wu-Tang was on the way out? Oh yeah, because in their minds, Wu-Tang Forever was garbage. But we still had, we were still waiting for Method they Man's new care. album, et cetera. No? They didn't care. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So these are, when I say my friends, I'm referring to the my peers in yeah, my yeah. class. Yeah. Right. That's who I'm referring to. There. Okay. But one of the albums that they really liked, which I really liked as well, was this Outkast album. Now, I wasn't right. a huge Outkast fan. Like I said, I was very much solidly entrenched in that Wu-Tang camp. So like my whole world was kind of seeing things through that lens. But I was also very receptive to the things that were on the radio, to the pop hits. Mm-hmm. And Outkast was one of those things, like they were so weird. Like you're talking yeah. about Andre, I don't know what he was wearing in that video and <laughs> the all of his pads costuming on. throughout the album. Like when you look at the yeah. booklet that comes with the album, on every single page, he's wearing something that has yeah. absolutely, just none of it is coordinated. Yeah. None of it goes with each other. Somehow he yeah. thinks it's hot. And as much as I love Andre, I still look back at some of those outfits and I'm like, no. He no. looks back on those outfits and says no. Like he, okay, he, he's definitely spoken on that. Good, good, yeah. good. So it was weird, but it was one of those things where there was a lot of music at this time where I kind of was kind of hating on. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you, was this? A, no, a but this was oh, not okay. one of them. This okay. was not one of those albums. So because yeah, yeah. it was so good that even though I wasn't a mm-hmm. huge fan at the time, mm-hmm. I couldn't hate on it. Like, yeah. and I wasn't even trying to hate it. It was just like, it was everywhere. Yeah. I, you know, whether my brother was playing this or whether my friends were listening to this at you know, the little get togethers and whatnot, right. this was always on and I never had a bad word to say about it. So yeah. that's yeah. kind of where I was at the time. Yeah. I think also something to say about this era, right? Even though I do say to some degree, I don't think we really gave the South and, and Southern artists their, mm-hmm. their just due the climate was still fairly eclectic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the time for this, this time frame, we, we still had Lauren that year. Yeah. We had Jay that dropped the same day. Yeah. Climate was, was still fairly eclectic. And so, you know, I think this album was a dope album surrounded by dope albums. Yeah. Um, and I think that when we also look at this in, in terms of hindsight, while I think this is, probably the standout album of this time frame uh, with, with, with this or I, I would put Lauren in the, in the same category. Mm-hmm. When this came out, it came out the same day as Jay-Z volume two. And I was solidly listening to Jay-Z volume two <laughs> every day. Like that was, that was the album that everybody was like, yeah. you know, Oh, this is, this is the double XL. And you know, the, the outcast was the XL, you know, it was, it was a great album, but for us, like the J was just, Oh, it was right in, in the category and hindsight being 20, 2020 i don't revisit that j album uh very often but this album i revisit uh fairly frequently so that's kind of getting into the critical reception but before i do that i kind of want to piggyback off your points just so that folks have a really good understanding of all the albums that were coming out around that time you know you had lauren hill like you mentioned lauren hill came out at the end of august then you had Fat Joe's Don Cartagena came out in september you had ja rules vinnie vetti vici came out in september on this day, September 29th, he mentioned Jay-Z Volume 2. We just did the tribute for that last week. We also had from Bone Stefan to Live Quality, Black Star. You also have 
Tri Call Quest, the love movement. Mm, and then yeah, later on, right. you're going to get something, I think, like Corruption's debut album yeah. comes out. You even have Pete Rock, Soul Survivor. Look, there's a lot of good content. Right. And that's just the hip hop. I'm sure there was some good R&B in there, Spice, whatever. So, yeah, I would agree. I think that looking back, this is the standout album of, of, of this time period. And so let's get into the critical reception a little yeah. bit. You mentioned a little bit that everybody was talking about the Jay-Z Volume 2. Mm-hmm. I'll start with my end. Sure. Jay Z Volume Two was huge from like from the macro perspective, okay. right? So in the sense of like, if my world, in my surrounding world, is basically like me in my high school, mm-hmm. the entire high school is flipping out about Jay Z's Volume Two, and for yeah. good reason. We talked about how the critical reception was that was huge; it was everywhere. Right. But from my micro perspective, right? So if we're mm-hmm. talking about my grade, and in particular my peers, my black friends, the al- the album that everybody is talking about is the outcast equimini wow. because these folks like look they had some bad taste in the sense that you know in my <laughs> opinion they taste. were a little too high on no limit and cash money they were uh-huh. a little too high on that stuff uh-huh. okay, i'm not saying that we can't look back on cash it and money appreciate wasn't there it yet, but, but, yeah. but they were treating that stuff like it was amazing it's okay. like sorry it, it wasn't <laughs> but they also to their credit they were also big fans of ugk ball and g okay they were big fans of, you know, like Ghetto Boys, 3-6 Mafia, which at the time I hated, but yeah. whatever. You can, you know, I, I can speak way more fondly about 3-6 Mafia than I can of No Limit and, and Cash Money. Fair. So, but, so that was kind of some of the stuff that they liked. Mm-hmm. So then when you have Outkast, who's like the, you know, if we're talking about Southern rap, they're definitely the pinnacle of that. Right. This album was everything. And so oh. it was so good for very good reason and Mm -hmm. it was still popular enough that they were allowed to like celebrate it as well yeah so this was the album like i said that if we had to get together at somebody's house Mm -hmm. this was the pretty much the playlist was this outcast equipment so that was a critical reception around my way yeah what how about you all i would say you know we talked about on the ugk episode how pimp c had these shirts printed up that had the south and the south started at maryland and it came down and i think like you know to some degree like my experience of being out here in virginia like virginia especially parts of virginia are very much the south and i you know parts so 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 shouts out to y'all for for you know being able to to be a little more eclectic with your with your tastes sure sure. i think in cali though i feel as though because of the fact that we almost were hip-hop by proxy Mm. we really you know embraced like a lot of different things i think what the south was doing and what the west coast were doing was just maybe very different for whatever reason i would say actually northern cali sounded more like the south and probably embraced the South a little bit more than LA did. LA, we, I, th- I feel like we kind of had our thing. We had no, you were either do. you were either a gangster mm-hmm. or you were souls of mischief, right, and there right, was like right. no, <laughs> there was like no in between. Like you're a far side, far or side, you're like, right, right, or you're right. a thug. Like, yeah. but this album, like you said, it really cut through the noise. But again the J was just so big and okay. I mean Hard Knock Life as a song was just so big oh, that huge. I think maybe I was just kind of in a bit of a bubble I talked about maybe on a different episode when AT Aliens first came out I heard Elevators and loved it one of my boys told me it was Nas I think if I'm if I'm if I'm not mistaken wow hey, I, I remember hearing the song Y'all on the radio were very and, and, entrenched and, in that and, West and Coast asking stuff. one of the homies like yo yo who who makes that elevator song and the dude being like oh Nas wow and then me, <laughs> wow. me being like oh no th- no this isn't Nas but uh yeah so I mean heard elevators got familiar with Outkast went to look at their album and I saw the cartoon cover yeah. and I was like, yeah, this don't, this don't look like my speed. Yeah. Um, and my homie Morgan being like, yo, my big brother has this album. It's crazy. And you know, me being like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not buying this. Uh, this is silly. We also talked about how, you know, same with rhythmalism by DJ quick. Right. First time I saw that cover, <laughs> yeah. it's all pink. He's got his perm down to his <laughs> oh, shoulders. Yeah. I said, nah, and me as a man, I can't buy this album with dude's shirt open and his hair all the way down to his shoulders which is probably the dumbest reason ever to not buy an album and that 19 album inches no perm <laughs> and that album is fire you can so, bring your gnarly fingers through here if you want to no 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 oh, that's talking, not how this works you with that cat <laughs> sorry. oh man sorry yeah it so just made me think about that so anyway um i didn't get into that album at aliens until i got into equimini so okay. i heard rosa parks i loved rosa parks i went out bought this album it was incredible but I'm still, 
there's still so much other stuff going on that it's just an incredible album among incredible albums. I don't think I realized how amazing it really was until I really saw it transcend the test of time. What are some of your highlights? The musicality of, okay. of this. Um, I think this was one of the first albums that really, this and maybe The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill were two of the first albums that really made me understand that maybe the hip hop was music, like okay. music in that, like it was, it's so musical. It's not, it's not loops and, yeah. and just dudes, you know, kicking cool flows over, over break beats. You got to go back and, and listen know, to that black eyed um, piece behind the front, man. Yeah. You got to go do that. So, so I, ha I have, being that I hadn't heard that album, this, you know, this was one of the first that I heard. So musicality, definitely. Okay. I would say Andre, I Andre mean, 3000, we attempted yeah. to record this episode before, mm -hmm. and I think we waxed poetic the entire time about. just about. Oh, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing that. Incredible, again. Andre is on here. We're he still is, gonna do that. This is like Kobe eighty one night. He can't miss on this album. Other things that are not songs, I like like kind of like the band type of atmosphere that they created here, which is something um, that organized noise was really doing yes, with a lot of their music, definitely. especially at that time. Yeah, the blackness, the mm. unapologetic blackness for of sure, this album, sure. and the unapologetic southernness of this album yes. um, are highlights. And then just to go song for song, man, it, it starts so strong. It does. Like just, I think you you were the one who said that it has a ten song run, and that mm -hmm. that that's really what it is. Like yeah. I'm looking at this track list, and I'm like, the first ten songs are amazing. Mm -hmm. um, Aquemini is to me one of my favorite Outcast songs ever. Um, Andre on reason. here is in some of my favorite Andre ever yeah. on there. Slump. Cause that's for me. That's my posse cut on here. I got you. West Savannah, my favorite big boy yeah. appearance. Uh, I think he just absolutely murdered it. It's one of my favorite Outcast songs, actually. Art of Storytelling one. I I'll leave it there. I, I like Chunky Fire too, but I think those would just be my quick and dirty highlights. So yours. for me, Yinka touched on this, but the absolute highlight on this album is Andre Three Thousand, and <laughs> right. we've posed a question before back when we did our spring quarterly we were talking about kendrick lamar yeah. winning the pulitzer and i think i asked him the question i was like can you name three albums off the top of your head that if you could go back and give a retroactive pulitzer what yeah. would you do and i think i mentioned like ice cube predator you or some, something from yeah. like those those first the early trilogy of ice cube yeah. albums but something that didn't pop into my mind which should have is this this album for sure for sure andre 3000 doesn't put a foot wrong on this album it's absolutely cohesive like there is a running theme throughout the album as well and the lyrics themselves like it's not just bars it's not just dope lyrics he's teaching you something he's telling yeah. you about in my opinion i think he's telling you about like manhood in a mm, sense yeah. right um you know being a person of integrity but like how you live your best life, but some of the shortcomings or some of the shortcomings that you can suffer, some of the obstacles that you're going to encounter yeah. along the way and how all of these obstacles distract us from being our better selves. But it's it, wild because it's like he does, but it's not preachy at yeah, all. Exactly. And it's, and it's f told from a first person perspective. Yes, like yes. he's telling you, these are my experiences, yes. like learn from them. Type. I, thing. I would absolutely agree with you. Yeah. So for me, yeah, Andre 3000 is just absolutely immaculate on this album even yeah. from the production standpoint because organized noise didn't do everything on this yeah. album so you know outcast was very much heavily involved and if we look mm -hmm. at their later catalog i mean the one who's producing beats on his own is andre 3000 so Fair. you know i can read between the lines here and i'm <laughs> going to suggest that perhaps andre 3000 when we see outcast as a uh -huh. producer maybe he's the one who's a little bit more involved. i think outcast on this album became a band and okay. I think when you see Outkast as the producers, mm -hmm. I don't think it necessarily means Big Boy and Dre. Like I yeah. think I think it actually means you know the the people that are around them as yeah. well. I'm sure I that they had some. I'm sure that even on some of these tracks where it's listed as organized noise, mm -hmm. they probably share some of the uh, some of the musicians. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, reading an article from Raekwon. Uh, I've told from Raekwon's perspective talking about this, and and I think you know it was just like a random Raekwon interview, but they asked him like, "Yo, how did you end up on Outkast yeah. album?" You know, I want to know. And um, you know, you know, Raekwon and a lot of actually New York artists have moved to Atlanta because yes. it's just cheaper to live there, yeah. and it's kind of become its own like musical mecca uh, right. over time. But uh, yeah, I, I think this was maybe around the time that either Raekwon moved down there or was thinking about moving down there, and he happened to be there, and they ran into each other, Andre and Raekwon. And you know, Andre was like, "Yo, we really want you on our album." 
Uh, but he talked about, you know, coming to the studio and it being just like a completely different vibe from what he was used to in, in, in hip hop recording sessions. And, you know, like typically it's like, oh, it's an entourage, bunch of people passing weed around and like just <laughs> right. chilling. And then somebody goes in the booth and they record. But this was like actual musicians. There were people sitting around with instruments. Yeah. Like and it was very different from what he was he was used to. So, OK, so yeah. I can get that. So going back into highlights again, we're talking about Andre 3000. But yes, this track run i think from tracks one through ten is probably the strongest 10 track run on any hip-hop album i've ever heard you know yeah. look even if we're talking about nas illmatic which is only 10 tracks <laughs> right and they're all dope right these 10 tracks are better than those i wouldn't argue and even some of the ones that are not as great as others like not every single song in this run is a 10 out of 10 i get what you mean but some of the ones that are even, you know, like a six or seven out of 10, which uh, that's even a little low, but yeah. like they all help carry the pace. It's like how you talk about the run of, of Wu-Tang albums mm -hmm. and how some of the Wu-Tang albums themselves alone are not classics, right. but because they're exactly. in the run, they yes. contribute to the run. Right. Right. And so we have, you know, starting off with Return of the Gangster, that's just a, well, even the Hold On, Be Strong. Yeah. The reason why I like that Hold On, Be Strong is it, it like if you were to listen to AT Aliens and then immediately put this album on after yeah. that, that Hold On Be Strong almost sounds like it's like the tail end of yeah. AT Aliens, oh, which I think is, is really kind of slick. I never right? even thought about that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. My thoughts on this is I feel like most great, if not all great albums, like transport you somewhere mm -hmm. and hold on be strong is the time capsule that's you know it's the it's the spaceship that's kind of transporting exactly. us to this world that they're about to give us with exactly yeah. but you know I, I for me some of that though is still kind of that atl yeah. mindscape definitely so, anyway so you got hold on be strong going right into return of the gangster and yeah. i love how andre 3000 flips the word peace around as much as he does mm. and then gets into it spitting his verse get down like but it's all it's all very real return of the gangster one of the things i actually love about this is you know how they say like when you when you like certain boxers when they come out they'll hit you real hard one time in the jaw just so yeah. you feel their power and you understand <laughs> return of the gangsters like y'all been saying all this shit about us right. like you know all this stuff we're gonna address all of it on the first right song like yeah. just boom so by, by the time the first song was over, we're already like, oh shit, like yeah. <laughs> these dudes are serious. They're not playing and they addressed everything that anybody had said about them. I respect that. Yeah. So <laughs> Return of the Gangster, obviously it's a dope song, but then yeah, so just going right into it, you know, Rosa Parks, we talked about how dope that is. Yeah. And then the Raekwon feature and Scooter on the Barbie, you know, it's a dope beat. I think that's an organized noise produced yeah. piece of music. And then Raekwon's got a good feature, but then we get into a Quimini, one of Andre's oh, 3000's greatest verses Incredible. ever both of them both, yeah, his, both of them both of his verses are dope on here yeah and synthesizer probably not the best beat but yeah. the subject matter on it andre 3000's verse again is great but the subject matter is something that is still yep. relevant today yep. 20 years later go back and listen to this track and just listen Definitely. to the things that he is saying listen to it with 2018 yes, ears and it, it still, still works. works it still works <laughs> it's so good yeah so the, we get into slump and unfortunately andre mm. 3000 is not is not on this track and uh, it's still immaculate it's still track. it's still dope though you got the, <laughs> I love the baby got it <laughs> so so then, you know, storytelling's part one and part two, obviously, uh, you know, it, it rounds out. That's the first, you know, the, the opening 10 track run. And then yeah. after that, Spodioti Dopalicious for yeah. me. I mean, that is just a pivotal piece of music. Oh, it's yeah. something that I still play now when I'm DJing. Yeah. It is in my rotation because it's got this good 125 BPM. Mm. So if I'm playing like some kind of Afro house mix or like an Afro beats joint, yeah. I could put it on there. And then, you know, right when the horn hit, psh, cut out the Afrobeat joint and then you got this bounce yeah. everyone still loves this song um, yeah. I don't play the entire thing I only play you know the, the opening hook and then Sleepy Brown's verse and I, I mix into something else but it's something yeah. that still goes yeah. to this it's day it's something we talked about last time right you know again this is around the time I'm really really academically studying like, mm -hmm. like these albums I'm really listening to them I'm really serious about them we were saying that this album wasn't so popular where I was right. so like it wasn't like a you know, I'm sharing with everybody, like, and we're all like, oh, this is an amazing piece of music. Spodio Odi Dopalicious was one of those records where, like, I thought it was dope, 
but no, nobody else talked about it. Mm, so around that's a me. shame. So like, that's all I, we talked about around my. I way. knew that this record was a really dope record and a really good record, but I, I didn't understand why it was so dope. Mm. If, if that makes sense, like I feel like now I kind of am at a place where I can like listen to music almost on some more existential shit mm -hmm. like like why mm -hmm. like why is this why is this great and really break it down and think about where it fits in the pantheon of other music but then it just was just i really like this i don't know why but i like it it's, it's dope it's crazy there's actually <laughs> something scientific about music in the sense that there are always these scholars or these musical scholars who try to break down and they figure out they do several things they figure out why a song is popular they try to predict what songs will be popular right. and then they also mock certain songs that are popular understanding mm -hmm. like yeah this is why it's popular but this is actually not a good song mm -hmm. um you know sometimes we can get on our high horse we get real pretentious about this shit like we can listen to a piece of music that we know other people don't necessarily like but we understand why they don't but we also can recognize some of the brilliant things about it right, right. this song Spodiodi Dopalicious is just dope and so you can break it down musically scientifically and you can dissect all the reasons what makes us great right. right but then even if you didn't even understand those things just yeah. like you're talking about it's still a dope piece of music yeah. and they're not even rapping on it it's a spoken <laughs> yeah. word joint that's yeah. dope and Andre 3000's story like it's he's incredible. going through word for word and it's like yeah. uh uh, sweet lullabies and you left this combined yeah. with set it off in the right but it all blends perfectly this is like biggie level storytelling yes. without even rhyming yeah. like i mean it, it's it's just incredible you can picture everything that he's saying mm -hmm. um i'm i i don't know man it's it, andre Crown on this wild. i think i think this is where just one i think this is where at least for me i start to realize andre is a genius okay like, like i went back and i ended up really digesting at aliens and loving it but hearing him on here i think i was just like this guy's on another level you know yeah no for sure so um, uh, this track is, is dope yeah. so those are my highlights do yeah. you have any lowlights my main one actually is y'all scared okay which is you know funny because i'm always the the posse cut guy and this is probably the traditional posse cut on here yeah um but it just kind of drags a little bit okay as you said uh previously um you know i think andre is dope on here yeah um and he's the kind of the redeeming quality for this song and for the sure. reason why maybe it, it, I, I wouldn't say you absolutely would have to cut it off to make this a classic and then Mamacita, because it okay. just kind of disrupts the flow. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you want to, if you have different ones or you want to articulate. So I'll address the Mamacita one first. Yeah. So if we're going to get into my low lights, yeah. Mamacita to me is something that I would actually scrap from the album altogether. Agreed. Even though Andre 3000's verse on it is good. Yeah. It's kind of difficult to even understand like who he's addressing. I think it's his worst verse on here. Too. It probably is his worst first, but it's not. It's not mm -hmm. a bad one. It's mm -hmm. not a bad one. I, I think it's a little difficult for me to understand exactly what it is he's saying. But then yeah. even then, the rest of the verses don't really help. Yeah, you know what I mean. My, yeah. my brother used to love this song because he loved the hook. You mm -hmm. know, you got Rico Wade and uh, Masada. Masada, who's yeah. a featured artist. She's a woman on here. You know, yeah. going back and forth with the Mamacita, Papa Donna. Yeah. It doesn't do it for me. It doesn't fit on the album. And yeah. what's worse is that it comes right after the storytelling part too. Yeah. Which, you know, like we talked about, that 10 track run is great. And then all of a sudden you get Mama Sita and it's like, wait, what? I almost feel like you could have kept this record if it was just Masada and it cut off. It was almost like a skit, like just like a minute and Maybe. a half. Because one of the things I love about this album is that it's so unapologetically Southern. Yes. And um, I like the way they juxtapose northern you know tri-state area new york type of personalities and sounds in the midst of their southern gumbo that they're putting mm -hmm. together and how like it doesn't fit but then it fits it's such a stark difference that it you know it really makes their music sound that much more southern um you get that on the, the intro to skewed on the barbie right yeah. like so you you have rosa parks which is a super southern record yeah. and then you have raekwon like yo, son, yo we gotta no feel son. we gotta connect no. as one son <laughs> you know and you're like oh this this is really <laughs> new york you know and then they bring it all together i feel like with mama sita i like masada's voice yeah um she says she's from the bricks on here so she's from new jersey it's it's very up north and it's very different 
the beat just kind of gets like stagnant yeah. right like it just kind of does the same thing over and over again and then the track doesn't really take us anywhere it's just exactly. a bunch of additional verses i'm always out, down to hear more andre but uh, like you said i don't really 100 percent understand what he was trying to tell us right. with the story that he has on this this record and i don't think this record gives us anything so if i were to have to take one record off of this album that that would be the record yeah for me it's definitely the one that that i'd have to take off and i understand what you're talking about with the contrast i actually think that's a good point i hadn't considered that but either way if i'm putting this album into my stereo and i'm listening to it from start to finish this Mm -hmm. one is jarring yeah it just doesn't really belong now it's not enough to weigh the entire album down right this album is still (laughs) 10 out of 10 right um but it's definitely a low light i would take it off yeah can you imagine though these guys are so good yeah. that they have an album that's this good yeah. and there's an argument as to whether or not it's their best album. <laughs> like I, I just I just wanted to put that out there. Like. No, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and we could we could talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But y'all scared, I understand why you don't like it. You got Timo and Cujo, which really kind of weighed this song down. Yeah. I don't mind Big Gip on it. I actually think that this song needs to stay on the album, but mm. we should probably do some things to it. The beat is like, also, it's not, it's well, might but, be my least favorite. It's my least favorite beat on here. So, well, Mamacita is my least favorite. Okay. The reason why I think Y'all Scared needs to be on there, and maybe we need to tweak it a little bit, mm. um, is because Andre the general, the, yeah, the general message of the song, not only is Andre 3000's verse really good, but it, it goes along with everything that he's saying, right? Yeah. So, Equipment I almost has like a little apocalyptic narrative like dystopian mm-hmm. narrative to it like it's mm-hmm. it's not the most optimistic lyrics coming from under 3000 and if you're that kind of man who has like a, a mission or a direction in life and you're trying to stay focused you're trying to stay on the path which is kind of the things that he's talking about on this album but you've right. got all these obstacles right right you know you still have to put like one foot in front of the other you still have to walk forward well if you understand some things like Fear is the ultimate enemy, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily being afraid of someone trying to rob you or someone trying to stick you up or kill you or or, or take something from you. Fear is more like a personal fear. It's like the fear that if I go out into the unknown, I don't know those consequences and I'm afraid. And so I'm staying in my zone. And so, you know, to have a song called Y'all Scared, which is like you know if y'all scared if you're scared say you scared. scared and then yeah. his verse when, when he's talking about it you know he's, he's talking about the drugs and whatnot this that and the other i just think that that message and that that song to really encapsulate all of Fair. that does need to be on this album it can be a better song though. it can definitely be a better song right. it is poorly executed you do not need five mcs on it right. i think that you could have gotten away with actually it would have been nice to just have an andre 3000 song all to himself because we have yeah. several songs on here where andre is not on which is my That's other right. low light the fact that <laughs> as great as andre is on this he's not on every single song i will say though you know this is something that i love about andre right mm-hmm. is that um a lot of artists will just hey keep going you're winning yeah. keep going andre is like almost gun shy in a way like where when he doesn't feel like he has something to say he doesn't say anything that's fair and i think that maybe this is that's kind of why or how it's reflected here on this album like, well i'm not necessarily saying he needs to be on the songs that he's not i right. think slum works fine and so yeah. i like your idea that it's a posse cut so yeah. you know we get rid of we get rid of the extra weight on y'all scared <laughs> and we make we officially make slump a posse yeah. cut with andre like on the hook like doing uh, some ad-libs or whatever uh, west side savannah is fine without or west savannah, west savannah is fine is without amazing. big boy uh, without andre on it yeah. it's just fine but i think that if you just had a solo record for andre with y'all scared and maybe some like ad-libs from other people in the back and then you can he can really you know yeah. just focus in on his message i think uh, that that would have been brilliant it would have been dope to bring in somebody else who could give us a, a similar type of message who would you feature if if you were to rebuild this song maybe like a nas or something huh you, you know who that? i'm you know who i'm i might do hmm. is well it's interesting on one hand i kind of like the idea of lauren hill being featured mm. But really, you know who I, would kill this? Scarface. That? Scarface could. On y'all scared. Yeah, I think Scarface could probably work as well. Yeah. But I would need a really, really strong persona on it. Yeah. Um, and someone that understands that kind of messaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that Andre 3000 is trying to deliver. Yeah. It's not a well-executed song, but at the same time, I, I don't necessarily mind it. And I think that that concept needs to be on this album. Yeah. I would probably, you know, replace it. Like I would, you know, right after the art of storytelling part two, I probably haven't Spodioti Dopalicious. Mm. And then, you know, y'all scared with the edits that we're talking about. And then right. the rest of this album is just fine. Yeah. So, you know, Either way, that's gonna wrap up my lowlights, uh, and, and this will, is nitpicking from us. Yeah, it really it, is we're, nit, we're knitting hard. The, the the one thing I will say though is that liberation is a bit long. Like I, I don't know if I've I like ever I don't know if I've ever sat through the full nine minutes. I have. Yeah, yeah. I think that should have maybe been the last song. I think it should have been the last um, one as well. Because I'll listen you. to a nine minute outro, but I won't listen to a nine minute album cut. That's just me. No, I feel you. In fact, yeah. I I think that uh, Chunky Fire actually probably should have been the one that was right after the Art of Storytelling Part Two. Yeah. And then we can get in with the rest of it. And Liberation should have been. I the almost outro. though feel like the Art of Storytelling Two and Chunky Fire are too similar, just because. Well, that's that, why I thought that, that they vocal would go timbre. Well. Yeah, yeah, the vocal timbre is kind of the same, and it's so jarring that I feel like it's like okay. you, I kind of have to throw it, and then you throw it again somewhere else. All right, well that's fine. Yeah. E but either way, I, we both agreed that Liberation probably should have been the outro on this. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. It probably it was. It, was it, it sounds like it was originally intended to be the outro. Yeah, but that's it. That's it for the for the lowlights. So yeah, yeah. I, one of the things that I think we previously mentioned that we haven't mentioned yet is that. Um, it's rumored that West Savannah was a holdover yeah. from from Southern Playalistic Cadillac music. Yeah, Do you I, know about that story? I want to say that it's at the end of Slump where they talk about it. Right? I think so. Yeah, I think at the end of Slump, like he says, like, oh, this is something that we did. Maybe I'm mistaken, nah, but I, I know so. I've heard yeah. an interview or something where they were mentioning how it was something that they initially yeah. did for Southern Playlist to Cadillac music. And I think it ended up on this. To me, this is Big Boy's best work. I, I love this no, that's song. that's fair. It's yeah, dope. It's, it's incredible. You've got the interpolation of the diamonds in the back, the, right, uh, right. the nine in my hand, ounce in my crotch, right. digging the scene with the gangster slouch. <laughs> that beat is just incredible. And, and Nah, you nah, know, nah. we so talk good. about the whole like you know how unapologetically southern this joint is, and I think he he really captures it there. Like he's like, yo, I'm a hustler. Like this is what I do. You know, uh, niggas in the south wear gold teeth and gold chains. Been doing this for years, so these niggas ain't gonna change. Yeah, it's really dope. Yeah. So I want to know if you weren't necessarily vibing to this right when it came out. When did it really get into your rotation heavy, where you started to, to digest it and be like, wow. Wow, this is really good. I was already digesting it. You you kind of talked about the time frame, right? Like when you go out and buy a CD, yeah. you might not buy another CD for a couple months. This is true. So that's going to be in rotation. However, because of the fact that so much music came out at this point in time, I think Jay-Z was the record I was just putting in and just playing. Right. This was the one where I was I was listening to Rosa Parks and Return of the Gangsta and then I was Aquemini and then I was skipping down to hear Spodio de Double I right. But when I really probably started just putting it on and letting it ride was when I went back and got AT Aliens. Okay. And then AT Aliens changed my life. Okay. And then I went forward and was like, let me listen to like really, really sit down and just listen to this whole album. And I think that's when I like really got to understand what the impact of this album was. I was listening to this mainly, like I said, through my friends and through my brother. So mm -hmm. if my brother bought something, I didn't always buy it. I mean, there's a, there's a few albums that I did buy on my own, and this is one of them, right. yeah. but not at that time because yeah. there was no need to. I was just going to share from him. And so yeah. if he was driving me everywhere, you know, this was in the car. So obviously yeah. I got to listen to it from that perspective and I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I didn't officially become an Outkast fan until Stanconio, which was released. Yeah, two that's years so crazy after this. to me. Cause yeah. for me, and I guess part of my ignorance, right? But because, you know, then they went on to, to go Diamond with their next album. Yeah. But I heard Stanconio for the first time and I was like, oh, these guys are done. You think so? Like, like the first time I heard Stanconio, I was like, these guys are done. And then I went back and listened to it more and I, I started to understand what they were trying to do. I actually um, think that Stanconio is almost as good as this album. <laughs> wow. No, because I was shoot, listening. To, shoot. Pow, pow, look, pow, I'm, pow, I'm, pow. that's how good Stankonia is. <laughs> yeah. I've been listening to that album a lot this week, yeah. and as much as I enjoy Aquemini, uh -huh. Stankonia is really, really good. It's not mm. flawless, right? Yeah. So if we're gonna say that Aquemini is a ten out of ten, mm. I'd say that Stankonia is like a nine out of ten. That's it's crazy. that good. Yeah. There are some songs on there that don't belong that you could easily take out mm -hmm. but the songs that are good are amazing mm -hmm. and the song that really grabbed my attention the most as 
to become an Outkast fan mm. was B.O.B. I think that Bombs Over mm. Baghdad is probably one of the most groundbreaking songs in hip hop. And there's, there's other groundbreaking songs. First right. song I ever dunked a basketball to. Was True Bombs Story. Over Baghdad? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For what they did musically on that. And the thing that is so great about that album, just really quick to go into Stanconia, is that there's a lot of times where there's like a softer, more rap friendly beat. Mm-hmm. And then there's another version like on the same song there's other parts of the beat that is more filled with instrumentation and distortion and obviously Big Boy is on every single one that's more subtle and more open so that you know you can hear the lyrics Mm -hmm. and Andre is on the one where all this other instrumentation is going well and like they blend that really perfectly well they do that perfect on Bombs Over Baghdad as well and so uh, for me I mean we're talking about like really groundbreaking songs you know you've got the message from Grandmaster Flash which I think was really groundbreaking and I'm not saying that other songs aren't on that level, right? I mean, you got nothing but a G thing from uh, Dre and Snoop. Obviously, that changed the game. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. But what they did with Bombs Over Baghdad to have all of the kind of like digital electrical kind of influence on that. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the Morris Brown band in there and Mm -hmm. six minutes long, but it's just, it's so good. Andre's verse on that. So, and either way, that's a song that really grabbed me and was like, wow. So I bought that album. And then obviously once I really got into that, then I I went back to get into Southern Playlist of Cadillac music. ATLAs and Equipment Eye. Uh-huh. So for me, I didn't really jump on the wave, the Outcast wave, until about 2000, which is right when Stan mm. Video came out. Yeah. So. Uh, another thing we didn't cover is the artwork. Mm-hmm. This was the first one where I, I saw, you know, um, I bought this album. And, you know, I had to hide it from my mom because, you know, <laughs> the, if you remember, the, not the artwork that's on the, the cover of the CD, but the artwork that's, but the artwork on, the actual, that's on, on the, the actual yeah, disc yeah, yeah. itself. We get, you know, Andre, who, you know, kind of has an appreciation for the female form. As and so, I do, on the album, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a naked woman with an afro. Yes. And then and she's you, black. when I went back and got the ATLians, you know, it also Same had thing. another another picture <laughs> uh, similar. But um, even the Southern Playlistic is as well, but it's not as prominent. But just to talk about how incredible it is that Andre is such an incredible musical talent that also is an incredible artistic, yeah. you know, visual visual artist is insane like to be that good at two things oh, yeah. um, because you know it's Andre does the art on those album covers as well as the CD covers yeah. um, so I don't know you as a visual artist do you have any thoughts on that just that it's very impressive to do several different styles right so yeah. one of the other artist who was out around this time, at least if we're talking about like 98 to 2000, which mm-hmm. was prominent, is Limp Biscuit, right? And mm-hmm. I, I can't remember which of the band members was also the artist. Oh, I didn't One know of that. the band members was also was the artist. Fred Durst or DJ no, Lethal? No, no, no. Maybe it was DJ Lethal, whever. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it wasn't Fred Durst, but it was one of the other people in the group. Okay. And he was the one who was doing like the artwork, but mm-hmm. his style was kind of the same yeah so it was very much a graffiti oriented style and it was dope like uh-huh. i'm not taking anything away but yeah. the style of art that's on Equimini is very different from the style of art that's yeah. on at aliens very and different. andre did them both yeah to be honest i mean they almost look like they're from two different artists and yeah for me that's is immensely talented but andre talks about it in his raps mm-hmm. he talks about how he was the weird kid who was drawing in his notebook instead of paying attention to class right right you know what i mean so yeah, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. And, you know, Andre, in my opinion, is a true artist. Yeah. You know, like when you talk about like true artists who are musicians, one of the groups that, you know, I'm a very big fan of is the Beatles. Well, mm-hmm. like Paul McCartney, like same thing, like not only did he master every single instrument, at least that you would play like in terms of rock, mm-hmm. but he also went on to do a bunch of other different things. Like yeah. he evolved as an artist as he grew up. Mm-hmm. And Andre 3000 is someone who's tried to do the same thing. I mean, yep. look, you've got the drawing, you've got the lyrics, you've and got the, the beat making, yeah, then you've got true. him going into acting, and he's trying to do all these other different things. Yep. And when you when you ask him, I think we talked about this during the spring quarterly, mm-hmm. but you know, when he's asked about like, oh, well, what does he see himself doing in like five, 10, 15 years? And he says, hopefully, hopefully he's not rapping, which is a <laughs> real, a real big shame. And the reason why I think it's a shame is because it took a long time for me to accept just how good Andre 3000 was. Right. You know, when I first started thinking about like who's the greatest MC, I mean, I, for me initially, it was like it was Method Man, right? And then mm. that's, that's way <laughs> off. That's way off. But then when I started to study the legends, 
then it was like, yo, it's it's Biggie. Right. And I used to get into arguments with people whether or not it's Biggie, Jay-Z, does Nas deserve a nod, Nas deserve a nod. And I think all three of those guys kind of solidly just started to form my my elite here. That's how it happens, right? Because any given day, sometimes I'm like, you know what? Maybe Jay is better than than Biggie. Maybe Biggie is better than Jay. On other days, I think, hey, you know, maybe Nas is better than the both of them, right? Mm. But then, you know, it took a long time for Andre to really get into that tier for me. Mm. I always liked him. But it actually wasn't until way after The Love Below, when he started to do all of his features on different projects, right? And like there was one time like there was like oh there was like a little wave of like you know just Andre yeah. 3000 features and people mid 2000s yeah, yeah. And people keep kept thinking that oh he's gonna drop an album which he never did which right. is very disappointing but there's two songs in particular during that time that were released that really kind of opened my eyes about just how good he was one is his verse on the artist storytelling part four right that is an absolutely amazing track and his verse on that everyone who knows it i don't even have to go through the lyrics you all know how good it is but the other one was the jay-z 30s the new 20 beat he's got a really dope verse on it and he says um I talk about kids. He says they get enveloped by the vision teller. The television tells them their vision. That's why they find it hard to make decisions. He said that line. My my jaw literally dropped. I was floored. Like my mind was blown. I was like, wow. What about a life in the day of Andre Benjamin? That's a dope one too. And that's the one that closes out the love below. So, you know, I start to get a really deep appreciation for just how good Andre. 3000 is around the mid 2000s so then i go back to listen to all these things again Mm. and i start to study equimini in particular the song equimini and it's like oh man so good on this guy is amazing yeah this guy is really really dope so it's kind of a shame that he might not want to rap anymore because Mm. i think that you know he's still really really talented and i hear Mm -hmm. some of the artists that people like nowadays you know they like the j coles and they like the kendrick's and i know that supposedly i hate on kendrick all the time but it's because in my mind he's nowhere near that as talented he seems he just isn't andre though seems like the type of person and and just based on what i've seen that doesn't necessarily want to limit how he expresses himself creatively because he's an artist and so maybe one day he does feel like expressing himself through music or hip-hop rapping but you know, we just haven't seen that yet. Yeah. I, I honestly, though, to be honest, like, I don't think the direction that it's going necessarily from the perspective of what Andre's expectations are, how much he's expected to sell, what he's expected to do commercially. Yeah. I don't think it's going in a direction that would really allow him to be that creative. Like you look at the two or three records that he put out recently, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, Koi was saying we should cover, right? Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, we kind of shitted on them. Well, like, but he be- wasn't trying to make a commercial product with Right, that but, but that's what I'm saying, right? That's yeah. how he's expressing himself. Sure. And that sounds nothing like what people are saying they like today. But then you also still hear him on making guest appearances every now and then on trap records. And what? he's still dope. What, what did he guess about? Oh, well, definitely within the last two Are years. Are you talking about the, 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 the Sorry record with uh, T.I.? He's, he's and been 16 Ain't Enough with uh, with Rick Ross? Those aren't trap records. No, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. I've heard him on, I've heard him make guest appearances. I feel like his guest appearances two, are, are they're very laser focused to artists that he respects. That's fair. And those artists pick production that's, like, musical enough and open enough for but, him to really do his thing. He's not getting on Young Thug records. And he says he fine. likes Young Thug. But I think that he is still making palatable records. And I think that he could put enough of them together to really to give us something that we would enjoy. Now, does he need I, to do it? No, he doesn't need to do it. Bold, I'm just saying it's a shame. Bold that prediction: he hasn't. We never get another hip hop album from Andre 3000. No, that's fair. I okay. don't think that's yeah, bold at all. I, I would agree that, with you. Yeah, I don't think we're ever gonna. We, no. It will be lucky if we get if you know we do, a few yeah. more songs from him that are. And now, oh, I mean, yeah. they'll be incredible because I'm not incredible. losing sleep over it. This is not <laughs> something that I think is gonna happen. I, 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 yeah, I don't lose sleep over this. Right. You know, I'm not sitting here waiting <laughs> for an Andre 3000 record to happen. But yeah. you know. I'm just saying it's a shame that it won't. Like I've accepted yeah. that it's not, and Yo, it's just you know. I'm just saying it's a shame. Can we also because we've been we've been going in about Andre? Can we also talk about <laughs> how great Big Boy was on this record? I, I think Big Boy doesn't get his just due, and I think similar to you know some uh, some of the other greats in hip hop, when you're standing in a in a light that's just so bright mm-hmm. for one person, it's very difficult. But Big Boy murdered this album. But 
I would say at the time, Andre 3000's light wasn't that. Oh no, 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 bright. not back then. No, oh, I'm, okay. but I'm talking about now when we talk in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. We almost talked yeah. like Big Boy wasn't right there, you know, <laughs> contributing. And um, I mean, I think at the time of this release, I was a bigger Big Boy fan than I was an Andre fan. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's because I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know as much as this. I, I would say, and I kind of still stand by this, that you know, at the time, I always felt that Big Boy had the doper flows. Mm-hmm. I liked his delivery better, but I always liked Andre's content better. Do you still feel that way looking back? That you think that Big Boy's flow on this is better than Andre's? Uh, on this or, or period? On this. Certain records, like we talk about Equimini, for example, yeah. right? Obviously, Andre just murdered that song, right? Yeah. That's, that might be my favorite Andre performance, period. Fair. But uh, the name is Big Boy, that a fat sex, the nigga that liked them Cadillacs. Yo, stylistically, yeah. Big Boy killed. That's just an example of Andre giving us much better content, mm-hmm. but Big Boy's flow and delivery being stellar. And I don't know if he gets enough credit for that. It's 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 almost kind of how how you look at, at the Bone Thugs, right? I'm a Bone Thugs fan. Yeah. Um, you know, the Bone Thugs flow was created by Crazy Bone, right? Yeah. Like Crazy was the person who innovated it. A lot of people feel as though Busy is the most evolved member of the group in terms of lyrically. But you know, you wouldn't have that without without Crazy. And That's I, fine. I was, a lot of times I feel like Big Boy. Big Boy really grounds the group. He like, does. If there were no Big Boy in this group, I don't think we have a piece of music like this because it's grounded in hip hop. It's grounded in very Southern dope boy, cool culture. Yeah. And I don't think that's Andre's persona at all. No, right? it's, it's not. Um, I think that's a fair assessment of it. I mean, you could yeah. contrast it to someone like A Tribe Called Quest, right? Mm-hmm. Another one that's one of the greatest hip hop groups of all time. Right. Fight Dog is a much more grounded MC. He's right. much more relatable. Right. And Q-Tip, his other name is The Abstract, right. you know, for good reason. Yeah. That being said, though, I think that there's a lot of big boy verses on here that I don't pay attention to, right? Hmm. So if we're talking about Equimini, mm-hmm. big boy's verse on Equimini is dope. It but, is. You know, and obviously his performances on Slump, West Savannah, great. Return but, of the G? Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. But then you get into songs like The Art of Storytelling. Yeah. And I forget his song about Susie Screw, right? The yeah. only reason why I remember he's got a song, a story about Susie Screw is because Andre 2000 mentioned Susie Screw had a partner named yeah. Sasha Thumper. I remember her remember number like, like the a summer, summer. Like, yeah. which is crazy, <laughs> right? Because that was back, before, that was back yeah. when you had to remember phone exactly. numbers. Yeah. And then the you remember the phone number like you remember a summer, like what? Yeah. So, you know. But I mean, wait, come yo. on, like, like the, again, right? We're talking about Andre, who I said was a storyteller on the level of yes. Biggie, right? Yes. On a storytelling song called The Art of we Storytelling. Should, we should go into this real quick. Right? Let's go into this like, Art of You can't be like, oh, yeah, well, I don't remember it. It's, it's like it's like having a Biggie storytelling record and, and putting someone else on it and then being like, I don't remember the other person's story. Well, it's like, well, I mean, this guy is Scorsese. Like, yeah. of course you're not going to remember the other guy's story. But it's not just <laughs> that record as well, right? Yeah. Uh, you've also got Spodioti Dopalicious. You know what I mean? I don't oh, need yeah. to listen Actually, to Actually, that's a hundred. That's probably the best example of yeah. where, like, I literally, I did not need Big Boy's contribution to that song. Yeah. Like, his verse was just... It was just there. Yeah. Um, I so, get what you're saying. And even Synthesizer, right? I mm. actually can't tell you what Big Boy is talking about on Synthesizer. Now, I mm. like Synthesizer because, like we talked about, you can listen to that song right now in 2018, and it is still very, very relevant. Right. But I can tell you exactly what Andre is talking about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's incredible. There's more than one track with the two of them on it where I'm forgetting what Big Boy is talking about. Mm-hmm. And so I, I appreciate what you're saying. I'm not saying that he's not a very useful member of the group. Yeah. He definitely is. And he's, I don't think the outcast works without the right. contrast of having that grounded MC. Yeah. But at the same time, too, I'm going to be real. I don't think there's any real comparison between the two of them. I mean, Andre yeah. is just that good. I think they're Jordan and Pippen on this album, you know, and, oh, and, and Pippen you know, is not a top 50 player. So, but Jordan doesn't be, become the Jordan that we know, but without Pippen on those that's actually not true. I can argue so, that, but yeah, we're not going to argue yeah. it on this so, podcast, but so I, I, mean, the, I, I can argue that point. You know, though. yeah. Pippen is, you, he may not be a top 50 player now, but he was named in the top 50 players. Yeah, um, and so, yeah. he's somebody who wasn't able to go out and do what they achieved on his own. But I mean, Michael can attribute a lot of the the great success of, of those early days to, you know, having that number two. And I think that like Big Boy is like 
an unsung hero on this album. Like I think I think he is he an unsung really, hero? Absolutely, yeah. I would agree with yeah. you. But at the same time, I'm just not going to apologize for waxing poetic about Andre 3000 on this album while also not really talking about Big Boy's contribution. Yeah. I'm not going to apologize for it. That's, that's just how fair. I feel about it. Yeah, West Savannah is one of the best records. On it is here, dope. It's and, definitely and dope. And that's all. That's all you, Big Boy. So shout out to Big yeah, Boy, for man. Sure, I, for I sure. feel like he feels like he's almost being erased out of hip hop because of how how much we love uh, Andre. <laughs> so I just want to put that well, out there. Okay, but what also is a big contributor of that narrative, right? We're going to talk uh-huh. about Speaker Box Love Below. Oh, yeah. And that's an album that got album of the year, uh-huh. which was not the first hip hop album to do so. If you, you listen that, to yeah. the Organized Noise documentary on Netflix, I think L.A. Reid says that Speaker Box Love Below was the first hip hop album to get album of the year. But it's not because Lauren, Lauren Hill's Miseducation also got hip hop album of the year. Right. And that being said, though, this album got album of the year, not because of the hip hop portion, in my yeah. opinion. It no, got the album of the year yeah, right. because of the Love Below, which is Andre's portion, which he hardly so wrapping up. my counter argument to that this album went diamond mm-hmm. the diamond sales thing that we used to put that album on the, the pedestal that it, it put on the early parts of that were largely propelled by what we got from big boy yeah i like the way you yes. moves and, and, and ghetto music ghetto music was huge yeah that was a, a single i didn't remember it being a single yeah i remember loving it i remember yeah putting on speaker box first because it was the mm. first one I put on because I yeah. knew that I was going to like the, the Andre Morris. So I was like, all right, let me put on the speaker box first. Right. And then yeah. I hear this beat and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, Big Boy's coming with the two. Yeah. There's some highs and lows on so, the album. Yeah, but so all I'm saying is that the two like records that they kind of grounded the album with when mm-hmm. they first came out with their singles, yeah. it was I Like The Way You Move ghetto music and yeah. then i think was when we when we got the big smash um andre record uh roses or was it hey well, hey, uh, hey, hey well hey uh, was actually bigger than i like the way you move at the time oh no no i'm not i'm not talking about yeah. which one went all the way right what i'm saying is that no i'm I, saying I, that hey y'all was the first single was it yes hey i was absolutely the first single i remember where i was i was in this was my third year i was in um I think it was Lisa Pegram's dorm room. There was a bunch of us in there. <laughs> now, shout out to Lisa P- Pegram, other UVA alum. Yeah. I want to say I was in her dorm room. Uh-huh. Uh, this was in Hereford, and there were several of us in there. Yeah. And we had just found out that Outkast released a video. So I was like, oh, yeah. we're putting this on. So we saw <laughs> what we were doing, and I was blown away because yeah. that video, for me, was reminiscent of like the British Invasion rock okay. era, right? And so I was, this is at the time I'm really getting into. Beatles. You know, artists like the Beatles and the right. Kinks and stuff like that. So I heard this and I was like flipping out. Mm. They were all like, eh. And I was like, okay, watch. It's going to be a hit. Boom. Oh, man, it was a hit. Huge. But yeah, Hey I was definitely the yeah, first do, single off Do of you this. remember, uh, I, this is off topic, but do you remember hearing about the way they made Hey a hit? Yes. Yes, About how they had to like juxtapose it with other yeah. records that so, were already hits. Yeah. So for folks who are unfamiliar, we talked earlier in the episode actually uh, about how there are a team of scientific musicologists (laughs) if you will and they go through like i said they go through and they'll try to dissect what made a song popular one of the other things that they do though is they'll try to predict which songs will become popular and they had this single hey ya and they knew going through all of their predictors they went through all their criteria and they're like hey this song's going to be a hit but it was also kind of different from what people were expecting you had a hip-hop artist doing a pop record where's the kind of space for this and so they tried to put it out and it wasn't getting any initial buzz and they were confused about it so they said okay well let's do this they paid the the radio djs to play this song in between two hot songs so you had a run of popular music which kind of convinced the people uh subtly if you will to hey there's a bunch of good songs coming on on the radio. Oh, this is a good song. And then that's how it started to get some traction insane. and really blow up. But it's insane, yeah. though, because I don't think it should have had to do that. I love yeah. this oh, song no, no. right agree, from the agree beginning. Agree It's just, you know, there was there was a meme that said, yeah. um, it's a DJ meme. Yeah. It shows, like, this whole crowd, and they just look really bored. Yeah. And it's like, 
a party where you play people's favorite song a month before it's their yes. favorite song. Yes, yes, right? yes. Like, So, I mean, it's just like you have to convince people oh, that for good sure. music is good. No, <laughs> I remember the same thing. The, the very first time I heard Kanye West Gold Digger was at H2O. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, at H2O. This, is, this is a minute ago. This is a minute ago. Yeah. And this was still at the stage of the night where there's enough people to kind of um, pack like the center of the dance floor. Right. But it's not wall-to-wall pack like you can walk through easily and they played the i'm not a gold digger i need a rich person spend it on me by like fantasia something like that okay i don't know they played that song okay and then they played gold digger and i remember bouncing and like listening to it and i was like yo like i've never heard this what is this and i was getting Uh into it and people were kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. And then a month later, Gold Digger comes on and it's everyone's favorite yeah, record. Yeah, uh, that's so yeah. funny. But, uh, but yeah, super off topic. All I was saying <laughs> about this album is is just that I think that Big Boy is a big piece of, of why it yeah. went diamond. Sure. I, you know, I think you shouldn't give Speaker Box an award like Album of the Year or mm-hmm. anything like that, right? Those accolades come from The Love Below. Yeah. And when we talk about this album and how amazing it is, we're talking about The Love Below. Right. So I'm not, I'm not saying it from a quality of music perspective but i'm saying when we use sales metrics as a as a predictor of why this is so good i think big boy also is a piece of that narrative for sure he is yeah no i mean look outcast doesn't work without big boy yeah you know and i don't think that andre is able to break into the game as a solo artist right you know as as good as organized noise was back you know the early 90s i just Mm. don't think it happens without without big boy We're talking a lot about some of their other different albums. Right. Getting back to Equimini, uh-huh. where do you rank it among their albums? It's like one B for me. It's one B. Uh, so AC Aliens is is one A. Is one A. Okay. Um, so just uh, AC Aliens again just really resonates to where I was at the time. Um, at, at a time, and I really really love that album. But uh, Equimini to me is just equally as good. Like I can't. It, it, they're both like perfect to me basically like you. the closest thing to perfect you can have so it's funny their album that gets album of the year is probably number five on my list oh yeah it's four or five so for me number See, one is Equimini. Equimini okay. is a 10 out of 10 okay for me two and three is a tie like at aliens is a nine and stankonia is a nine mm-hmm. stankonia is really good okay i would probably so say you think that, you think stankonia is solidly better than uh southern playlist yes okay which i would say is number four at like between eight eight point five and i think the speaker box level below is around that level as well mm. so it's just funny that you know that's the out like their most pop friendly record yeah, is the one course, that's like kind of kind of weak for us but here's the thing though we're talking about these albums that are all like at least eight eight point five and better <laughs> right. from one group yeah i am convinced that you know i've got two other hip-hop groups in my elite which is wu-tang clan and Tri called quest but right. i think the outcast is the best i also yeah. think that outcast is the greatest hip-hop group of all time yeah. and and you know I've, I've had i've gone back and forth with folks about it i've you know we've we've discussed i would say you know the two albums from A Tribe Called Quest that are the ones, at least that I hear people talk about, is Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders. And I would say that in my pantheon of hip-hop albums, I would be okay putting both ATLians and Equimini above those two albums. I would agree. Yeah, so, I'm not going to contend with that. So that would be my reasoning to say that Outkast is the best hip-hop group of all time. I just think, for me, it's yeah. that five album run yeah you know what i mean yeah so yeah but but don't let me don't let me you know uh shit on an album that we are going to wax poetic about because midnight marauders is an album that is incredible it's one of my favorite albums we're not shitting Um, i'm just just saying that that's how good this is And, and i would argue that if you made some of the changes that we suggested for equimini not only is it one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time, which it already is right. in that discussion. Yep. But it's one of the greatest albums of all time, period. Yeah. You know, it's up there with some of the Beatles best records. It's up there with some of Miles Davis best records. I mean, it's it's that amazing, that yeah. piece of music. Yeah. So uh, just from a from a musical point of view, from a lyrical point of view, mm-hmm. from the theming and the messaging and the artwork and what this did for black people i think or hip the hip-hop community in general what it's Mm -hmm. still doing i think everybody would agree right 
Andre 3000 is like a rock star. Like he's, you sure. know, you talk about there's people that are like, you know, hip hop artists, there's people that are artists, there are people that are legends, all these other things. It depends on what you what you mean by rock star. Because I, I, there's there's also the negative aspect of oh, the no, rock star. No, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about he does the, not the sex, drugs, and rock and roll okay, part. Okay, I'm talking right, about right. a rock star as in somebody who's so transcendently famous as a musician yeah. that like there's nowhere that they can go without people being like, oh my God, I'm freaking the fuck out. Everything that they do is like, it, it matters. He's right? not the biggest rock star, but he is a rock star. Right. Yes. So what I'm asking, what my question is to go back to that is when in their catalog do you think that Andre became a rock Love star? Below. You think so? I think it was Love Below. I think I might say Stankonia. I can see why you would say that. Yeah. I also was in Belgium when Stankonia came out. Okay. So I think that that contributes to it because it's like, you know how we talk about white famous where yeah. there's like, <laughs> you, you can be famous, yeah. but like, do white people know you? Like, yeah. you know, being, living in Europe when, uh, when a lot of this stuff came out, I got to see like shit that was cool to me or my friends back home. Yeah. And then shit that was cool to like all the white kids that I knew when I was, you know, it, living in Europe. And um, I just remember when Miss Jackson came out and Andre had his shirt off in the joint, like yeah. at that, like I just remember that coming out, like that and Bombs Over Baghdad, those two <laughs> records came out and it was just like everybody, it was outcast fever for, for people that didn't give a fuck about hip hop. That's fair. I wasn't yeah. there. I don't know what that atmosphere is like. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fair point. So, so I'm not going to argue against that. But uh -huh. the reason why I would say that it's a love below is uh -huh. basically what we were talking about. The yeah. fact that they had to do some kind of mental manipulation to make Hey Ya the success that it was. Uh -huh. I think if he was solidly a rock star before that point, mm -hmm. they would not have had to do that. I will say, though, one other thing. Which, I mean, honestly, though, rock stars have, have yeah. duds and flubs and things sure, as well. Sure. But um, so I remember first year I lived in the IRC. Um, I lived in this this dorm called the International Residence College. No other freshmen lived there, and the only reason I lived there was because I came from Belgium, and so yeah, they. Just, I remember this. Actually. They, they were like, yeah, I was that's, like the that's only. When I met you. That dorm was closest to Sigma Nu, which yeah. was like the big that's frat right. house that people threw parties at, yeah. and Sigma Nu was always ringing off. I mean, because when that frat wasn't throwing parties, they were renting their house out so other yeah. people would be throwing parties, and I remember moving in. And this was before kind of all the like black parties were, were starting to be thrown there, mm -hmm. right? Like, like it was so early that people were just moving in, right? right. So like you weren't going to go rent a house yet. And I remember hearing Bombs Over Baghdad just ringing out like every night. They, they have a party and Bombs Over Baghdad just ringing out. And I'm like, okay, if those rich white kids in that frat over there know that record, yeah. these dudes are rock stars. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair too. You know what I'm saying? That's fair too. Yeah, definitely. Um, wow. Like Aquemini... One of the greatest albums I've ever heard, and mm -hmm. I'll just say albums, not hip hop albums. Oh, I've ever it's heard. it's. This has been a really fun week for me. I've been listening to AT Aliens, Stanconia, and Equimini nice. on repeat, and it's just been amazing. It's I'm been gonna, so refreshing. I'm gonna sit with Stanconia some more, yes. um, and yes. then and then definitely come back and, and we'll talk about it Yo, some more. Gasoline dreams, mm -hmm. bombs over Baghdad, humble you, as you, a mumble. You know what other Red record? Velvets. You know what other record is actually worth your time to sit with on the low that you're gonna you're gonna be like nah. No, Idle wild. Is it? Okay. Idle oh, wild. Well, it's not on the level of right. of most other Outkast albums. Yeah. But uh, there's some records on there that are like I just I always enjoyed PJ and Rooster, yeah. and that was pretty much the only song I listened to. But if you're telling me it's good, I mean yeah. that's fine. I, it gives me more outcasts to listen to. I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not gonna sure. hate about it. There's a couple of real crazy joints on there. Okay, but uh, yeah, shout out to Outcast and the whole ATL. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, so I mean I think I think we we we've done this joint justice. Yeah, uh, we have a pretty jam packed month as you guys know. Near this release, uh, either before or after, you're gonna get uh, Jay Z Volume too right um we've got black star coming up we do um and then we've got a couple of other ones i don't know well closer to october november we're also going to do the try call quest midnight marauders True. pete rock soul survivor and if there's time we're going to try to squeeze in some discussion about belly bam I think yo we, should. we definitely should do yeah, belly, we should definitely do uh, belly. yeah so definitely stay tuned appreciate y'all for tuning in definitely hit us on the socials if you want us to cover something or you have a comment i know every once in a while we get something wrong and cats hit us in the comments they'd be like <laughs> Yo, that's not true, and I we appreciate that because we we definitely get it wrong sometimes. So appreciate y'all tuning in. Peace, peace. It's him and I, a and I. Twice upon a 
time there was a boy who died He lived happily ever after But that's another chapter live from Home of the brave With dirty dollars Beauty parlors Baby ballers Bowling ball and parlors Street scholars Majoring in culinary arts You know how to work Bread, cheese and dough From scratch But see the catches You can get caught Know what you're selling What you're about So cut that big talk Let's walk To the bridge Meet me halfway Now you may see some chilling Dead off in the pathway Just them poor babies Walking slowly to the candy lady Just looking bad Need some hope Like the words maybe If Or probably More than a hobby When my turntables get wobbly They don't fall I'm sorry y'all I often drift I'm talking gifts So when it comes You never look the horse Inside his grill Of course you know I feel like the barrel Of bad news Don't wanna be it But it's needed So what have you Now question Is every nigga with dreads For the cause Is every nigga with goals For the fall No So don't get caught up In appearance It's outcast Equimini Another black experience Until they close the curtain It's him and I, Aquim and I